You're listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hello and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. My name is Mary Clark, staff writer for The Win, and you can follow me on Twitter at Mary C. Clark. I'm here with Andrew Berkshire, NHL analyst for the Montreal Gazette, who you can follow on Twitter at Andrew Berkshire. On this Tuesday edition of the Crosscheck, the Stanley Cup playoffs have begun. It's still early, but we have a look at some of the biggest stories so far, including the Battle of Florida, which is not disappointed after one game, some early series returns that have surprised, and we discussed just how close basically all of these playoffs playoff games have been, which I don't think really many of us expected. Oh, and we'll end up we'll end with our new pop culture roulette segment, which has been pretty fun so far, I think. So, Andrew, before we start off today's show, how you doing? I'm doing all right, getting over this cold, uh, trying my best anyway, and I'm excited for the playoffs. I, I think I haven't been able to watch as much as I wanted live, just because on the weekend it's hard to get kids to sit down for three straight hours. <laughs> but uh, I'm I'm all in on the first round. It's the best best time of the year. I am extremely excited for the North Division to start up. I wish that there were fans in the stands for the North Division, though. I know yeah. there shouldn't be because we're still dealing with this stuff, but I, you look at the games and the intensity that the fans bring, it, It's I don't want any more fake fan noise. I yeah, don't want to hear think, it ever again. And we're going to talk about it for sure. Um, and I do have mixed feelings about seeing you know fans in the stands um, for the games in the United States, um, but it really does bring that extra element that we were missing last year but again we'll get into that um as for me though i went to the beach yesterday and it was really nice um summer is almost here i am very much here for it um i'm very much a beach a beach person so i'm uh going back to the beach just even for like a few hours uh yesterday was super nice just to you know sit on the beach listen to the waves um and it's a beach i'm familiar with it's a we always go there um, every year, my family, for like a one-week vacation. So uh, that'll be next month in June uh, when we go. So it was a nice, you know, sneak preview of the beach life I'm, I really do miss. Because we didn't nice. go last year because of the pandemic and of all. Of course, yeah. But now that, you know, we're vaccinated and everything, it'll be it'll be nice to just hang with everybody. Yeah, we've, we've got finally getting some beach weather here. Like yesterday, it was like 25 degrees, which I know means nothing to you. But uh, <laughs> it sounds warm, though. <laughs> yeah, today is uh, also pretty warm. So I'm excited to get outside, do some walking after the podcast. Do you have um, like, I don't know where you are, like where you are, but how close is like a beach to you? Unfortunately, Montreal doesn't have much for beaches. Uh, a lot yeah. of the beaches that we have are on like off the St. Lawrence River, and nobody mm. really wants to go on the St. Lawrence River. Yeah, it's a little bit dirty, but uh, there's like some like an hour away, uh, Oka Beach, which is also the St. Lawrence, but like the other side, so it's not as mm. gross. But uh, for the most part, uh, we're a little bit bereft of beaches here. Mm. It's one of the downsides of Montreal. Yeah, that's why I like living um, in Pennsylvania, like basically right along the I-95 corridor, like like in striking distance of, you know, New York, Philly, D.C., Boston, um, but then also really close to a bunch of beaches. Um, and I really do love living here. I mean, I lived in Chicago for a very brief time. And sadly, I was only there for like the winter um, and fall. So I never got to experience Chicago summers, which I heard are great. But it is nice to, you know, be around a beach because I'm very much a beach person. So yeah, beaches is, are great. Mm -hmm. And I guess speaking of beaches is a great lead in because, you know, Florida. Perfect. Well, done. Uh, yeah, well <laughs> done. Uh, yeah. I mean, the Florida, the Battle of Florida has been the best series, I think, by far. Like it is early returns 
so far with these playoffs because the playoffs started Saturday, so we've only had what like three days of um, NHL playoff action. So there's not like a whole lot to talk about. But I think the biggest thing is that the Panthers and the Lightning are as advertised. They've been incre- it's been an incredible series. The Lightning took Game One over the Panthers five four, but it was still very close with lead changes and basically everything you wanted from a playoff series uh, so far. And like the Panthers pushed them hard, like pushed the Lightning hard and. I really, really am very excited to see where the rest of the series goes. I want it to go seven now. I mean, I think a lot of people had been wanting it to go seven at the outset, but after seeing both of these teams, I I really, really am enjoying what's been brought to the table so far. Yeah, this was, I mean, I don't want to say it's unexpected because they're two very good teams, but a switch was flipped here. Mm-hmm. My goodness. And I guess we should say, like, the only thing that this could this game could have had that it didn't have was overtime. Yeah, And it ended in dramatic fashion anyway. Uh, it was, man, it was just incredible. It had that combination of high-end offensive talent with just a, a little smidge of defensive sloppiness on both sides, mm-hmm. which hopefully remains. Cause I, I hope these teams don't get too polished because that kind of hockey where you're just like pushing hard enough that you make some mistakes is just a better brand of hockey. It's... It was so incredible. I, like, Jonathan Huberdeau, oh, my God. His goal was great, but his assist was even more incredible. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh. That was one, the best pay, play of the playoffs so far, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we've had some really good saves so far, and I think um, there were a few in Monday night's game. I think uh, the Blues, um, there were some really good saves in that, too. But, yeah, for sure, that was, like, there's been some really great, like, plays, um, and I've really been enjoying it. And the first round really is, I guess, probably the sloppiest Um of the rounds mostly because you know teams are feeling each other out they're getting used to playoff intensity especially after like this year where you know there hasn't been a lot of I mean you've been playing like interdivision games but um there really hasn't been like as much fan intensity and we'll talk about it in this segment a little bit later but I think that that has really added to the intensity of these playoffs and whatnot um but I guess taking a look into the game uh, since we're doing this podcast on Tuesday, we usually record it earlier, but we're doing this podcast on Tuesday and we found out that um, it's not going to be Sergei Bobrovsky in that for game two. It's going to be Chris Traeger. Um, I was going to ask before we got this news if Joel Quenville should go back to Bobrovsky or not, um, considering how well he how well in quotation marks he did in the first game. Uh, but it looks like that decision's already been made. And I'm curious, Andrew, if you think that that's the correct decision here. I, I think it is. Uh, I, I didn't like the way Bobrovsky played. He looked like he was mm-hmm. really overplaying pucks, uh, overplaying passes, a little bit behind the play. He made some nice saves, but I think they were the kind of saves that you make when you're in desperation mode. And, mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't incredibly awful, but and he has had like a bit of a resurgence towards the end of the year. But I just don't think he's the player that we saw, you know, four years ago in, mm-hmm. in Columbus that, uh, that won a Vesna. I, I don't think that uh, that, that player is coming back. It's it's kind of the same situation with uh, a lot of the, the goaltenders in that age range is eventually they're not going to be able to give you that consistency anymore. And I think Dredger was better during the season. So it makes sense that they make that change. I think, you know, it's hard to blame goaltending in a game that was so tight and had so mm-hmm. many highlight reel saves or highlight reel goals. But they, they needed better. And yeah. the Panthers did overall outplay the Lightning. Uh, yeah. It was... You know, an up and down performance. No team dominated for the whole stretch, but the Panthers, in the end, 
took over pretty much every single statistical category. I think the shots were even, though. And I think the shots were basically even because I think I saw a statistic afterwards that Vasilevsky and Bobrovsky basically had the near the same amount of saves, except, you know, Bobrovsky had one less because he led in that last goal or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So on the other side, Vasilevsky was, you know, still letting in goals as well but it was high intensity hockey i am though surprised that they decided to go with bobrovsky at the start i don't know if that's just me and just looking at i guess the way things have been this year i mean i know bobrovsky played the majority of the games this year i guess i just thought it would have been a jack campbell type of situation where the the better goalie has been proven um and i'm just surprised that they went the way that they did and i mean it seems as if joel quenville is course correcting now it's you know they're only down one game but they have a lot of positives to i guess build off of from their game one um so it's we'll see how it goes in game two uh but i would like to think that the panthers are going to be better at least in in net because triggers you know put in more put in more solid work this year than bobrovsky um and he's really you know pushed him out of the net and all that and i i'd like to think it's going to be better for them at least in this year i wonder if the reason why bobrovsky took the net in the first i I mean ty so often goes to the veteran in in Mm. the nhl right like just the way all coaches pretty much are but also like i'm looking at bobrovsky's game log over the last stretch of the season and it's not exactly the the inspiring situation yeah. you would expect like his last five games he had an 8-9-3 an 8-1-8 an 8-10 an 8-86 but then the last game of the season against the Tampa Bay Lightning a 9-66 in the win mm. so I wonder if that plus his game before against the Lightning was also a win where he was okay I wonder if that's what pushed the scales over yeah, to I, I guess I'm just surprised because you you know you have like a full season like a full body of work to see you know where these goalies are and Quenville went with, I guess, the more non-conventional choice, at least for fans. In my opinion, anyway, I thought Drieger should have started because, um, I mean, look over what the Maple Leafs are going to do with, you know, Jack Campbell. They're not going to have Freddie Anderson play, at least from the outset. They're going to, you know, give it to the goalie that deserved it throughout the season, um, even though he had, I think, less games played. So it just, I guess it just surprised me that that's the decision that um, it went, but the game could have gone either way for me. I mean, it ended up being the lightning at the end of the day, but both teams made great plays. Both teams made mistakes. It's just, you know, the Panthers came out on the short end of the stick, I think on this one, but it's very possible that with, you know, Drigger back in, it could, you know, flip their way and they'll, you know, tie the series one, one heading back to Tampa, which is wild to think that, you know, it was, you know, the Panthers had home ice advantage. You would have thought that, you know, given Tampa Bay's strength, it could have been theirs, but now Panthers were just that good this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the issue for the Panthers coming out of this game is that the longer this series goes, the less rusty Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos are going to be. I don't and even think they were rusty, Andrew. I, I thought, don't think I thought Kucherov was a little bit rusty at even strength. There were a few plays where he just kind of mishandled the puck or was a little bit slow to react to things that happen on the ice. But on the power play, he was regular. But he still had, what, two goals, right? Yes, like on the he power was still... play, right? Yeah, but still. Still. Like, he... uh, that was the next thing we were going to talk about is, you know, Nikita Kucherov's impact um, on the ice for the Lightning. And it was immediate, at least for me, from what I thought to see him. I mean, he was a bit rusty at five on five, but his impact is just incredible. He had two goals and, you know, it's kind of the difference between, you know, a win and a loss and, you know, it, I, I'm going to get real. I don't get the whole thing about the Capstar Convention. I get it. Like, I get, you know, that it's kind of a joke. It's kind of a meme for people at this point. 
But for me, it's just like, it's a loophole in the NHL's rules. Like, it is smart teams take advantage of this kind of stuff. Yeah, um, and your team And your team is not smart if you're not taking advantage of this stuff. I think a lot of it stems from, I guess, jealousy of what the Tampa Bay Lightning have been able to do um, with their cap situation. Because not only are, you know, they... They're really good at, you know, getting things under the cap. But they're also able to exploit these types of loopholes. Um, and, like, I get that it's kind of a meme now. But I'm, like, I'm kind of like that guy. Um, is it from The Office where he's like, stop. Stop talking about the sun. Like, shut up about the sun. Shut up about the sun. It's me. <laughs> shut up about cap circumvention. Shut up. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. You can have game one. But if I hear it anymore, I'm going to, like, I'm going to I'm gonna lose it. Because, like, you're just jealous at this point. Like I, like, I get it that it's a loophole and probably shouldn't be a thing. But... Unless the NHL owners want to change it, that's how it's going to be, and it is what it is. And your team isn't smart enough if you're, if they're not, you know, working on the same things the Lightning are doing and enacting it to the same amount of success. I don't know how about you feel, Andrew, with that, but that's just me from after one game of it. (laughs) It is absolutely jealousy, and I I find it especially ironic to see like Leafs fans complaining about it because that's a team that has like a forty-person cabal to create like cap circumvention issues and. Like, they employ one of the people who wrote the CBA. Like, every team cheats as much as they possibly can get away with. The Lightning got away with one here, but I don't think it was as much cheating as people seem to believe. I think that yeah, you look I mean, at the surgery. The we had Mike Johnson on, right? And he talked about Nikita mm-hmm. Kucherov, and then he had the same injury. And it was, like, a six-month recovery. It it was legit in terms of the time lost. It's just that they kind of timed it perfectly to make sure that he missed the whole season and came back in time for the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I don't know. I guess I just, I don't know if it's for me that the Lightning, I guess, not get a pass. But, like, I don't, it doesn't bother me because the they're so smart in general. It's not as if, you know, this isn't abnormal for them. This is, like, this is what they're known for. I mean, Steve Eiserman was, like, very good at this type of stuff. I mean, he's no longer with the team. But, like, his, you know, philosophy still remains with getting, like, squeezing every inch out of the, stand, uh, out of the you know, cap he can and i don't know i just i guess i'm in kind of in awe of it nobody's really doing it like the lightning are in terms of you know the salary cap so like why not exploit every inch you can and i know that like people will be like you shouldn't allow this anyway and i know there's probably people smarter than me that have suggestions on how to you know stop this from happening in the future but if the nhl owners don't see it as a problem it's not going to get fixed and it's just going to be something fans will complain about or whatever but i think every team will complain about it until they get the chance to do it yeah, exactly. And I just don't want to hear it. There's more things to talk about with this series than, you know, Nikita Kutrov and cap circumvention. So uh, I hope that it doesn't, you know, it isn't a prevailing thing for however long the Tampa Bay Lightning are in the playoffs because this series has been great so far. And I think there's more things to focus on than just the, the cap issues or, you know, cap circumvention things. More things like we could be speaking about is the fan impact. I really think that this, this series specifically is a major, you know, showcase as to the differences between this year and last year. I mean, last year it was in a bubble. There were no fans. It was artificial crowd noise and I didn't mind it. It was very different, but I, after a while I just kind of tuned it out, but it really fan noise and like fans in the stands really does add to the intensity of the series. And it, it's refreshing after last year. Like, I mean, like I said at the top, I have mixed feelings about fans being in the stands, especially in the you know capacities they are, because um, you never know. I mean, people could be vaccinated, people might not be vaccinated. I have no idea, but it is still very refreshing to hear it 
to hear the crowd noise and to see the fans in the stands after so long. Yeah, it, it's fantastic. I think the difference between the pumped in crowd noise and organic reactions to plays is it, just a different situation, right? Like fans can react to the development of a play, the anticipation of a goal. Mm-hmm. That's something that you can't fake. Yeah. And it, it's so clear that it adds something. The players feel it in the building. I can't wait till we're back there. And I'm with you that there's some trepidation about uh, whether fans should be in the building or not. And I, I saw some people skeptical that the Hurricanes should have 12,000 people in their arena. It, it's it's tough to really square the circle. But at the same time, I'm enjoying the games a lot more with the fans in. Yeah. I, I just can't wait for this to be over. That's my overall take yeah. on it. Yeah. And it, it, it will be interesting um, on Thursday when we get the Canadian teams um, to hear how the difference is because it is going to sound basically like the bubble with the artificial crowd noise and, you know, not getting that organic, um, you know, swell of noise when things are happening. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think the prevailing sentiment here is we are very much excited for things to return to a level of normalcy was in air quotations i know this is an audio medium you can't see that but (laughs) return to some level of normalcy um where we can get those views again because last year was great don't get me wrong we had a great stanley cup final great intensity i thought um but it really was like the images and the videos of the players celebrating just didn't feel just didn't it just didn't have the same impact and that kind of sucks for like a team like the tampa bay lightning who waited so long though of course they did have their own you know celebrations with their fans afterwards to whatever end um but it just the visuals were different and the sound was different and it just it felt different and it also kind of sucks that it was like doc emmerich's last um stanley cup final that he had to call and there wasn't you know he doesn't get to, you know, sit for like 10 minutes or like t- 10 seconds at the end and just let the crowd noise, you know, play itself out like he usually does. So there was a lot different last year and it, it just kind of sucks that it was the way it was last year. But it is nice that we're kind of returning to that. The stuff that we had prior. The to sense of normalcy is slowly returning. Yeah. And it is it is nice to see. And I just hope, you know, people are safe and all that as best you can be. So. But. I guess uh, before we move on, I will plug our uh, Locked On podcast siblings, uh, the Locked On Lightning with Adam Denker and uh, Locked On Panthers with Armando Velez, um, who you should hear uh, talk about this series because there is a lot to talk about as we spent a bunch of time talking, but they're going to have more for you in terms of, you know, your specific Panthers talk and Lightning talk if you want to get more into the details. But next up, after the break, we're going to talk about Surprise game one wins, and I think there have been a few interesting um, first games of the series um, that we'll mention after the break. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models of cars, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry? With rockauto.com, you have access to their auto parts at home on your computer and in your pocket on your phone. RockAuto.com is a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks to deliver directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. 
Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Alright, Andrew. I know it's still early. Like we talked about, there's only been like three days of games and two of the series haven't even started up, up in the north. So there's not really, I guess, a lot to talk about because it's still early. But there have been some kind of surprising game one wins, I think. Um, starting with, you know, uh, the Islanders taking game one over the Penguins. Um, I thought that was a little bit surprising. Um, I guess we'll go into, you know, the Penguins goaltending issues, uh, which was interesting to me because I had heard from Penguins fans that Tristan Jari, you know, was good. <laughs> and he might well be good, but he was not good in game one. And probably the reason why they lost that game. I don't think Penguins fans would have a problem with me saying that. Um, the I Islanders mean, yeah, won. No. <laughs> yeah, the Islanders won 4-3 in overtime. Um, I guess I was, I was surprised to see that because um, I expected the Penguins to, you know, come out continuing to be hot. Um, and they were. Their offense was, you know, they showed up. But defensively and, you know, especially goaltending-wise, it just was not very good for the Penguins. No, no, it wasn't. And, you know, I think there's a little bit of maybe deja vu for Penguins fans <laughs> that last year they watched Matt Murray kind of rebound his way into uh, getting moved in the, in the offseason. And not that Tristan Jari is in the same situation, but... You know, having your goaltender not be uh, reliable in the playoffs is always a bit of a confidence killer. And the Penguins, I think, have been through enough, their core group, that they can probably find a way to rally. But I think a lot of people were shocked by this result because the Islanders ended the season so poorly and the Penguins so hot. But like I said on the podcast last week, the underlying numbers heavily favored the Islanders, especially towards the end of the season. So I was not surprised. I expected <laughs> this to it. happen. Yeah. Did you, I called did you it. predict it? Did you predict the Islanders to win? I can't remember. I think I did. I think I, I did. think you. Yeah, that's what I thought. I think you did. Which I mean, so far you're so far it's looking good. But for me, at least, like I thought, like if I predict the Penguins to win in seven and they win, I look great. But if, you know, the Penguins lose, then I'm like, well, maybe it's not so bad. <laughs> See, <laughs> or anything. that's exactly how I approached it with Boston. I uh, mm. picked Boston to win against uh, against uh Washington, and if they win, I look smart, and if they lose, I'm happy. So yeah. it's a win-win. Yeah. Hedging my bets here, but exactly, uh, it but yeah, definitely this series, was. I, I thought you know the the goaltending situation. I I wonder if that's just a bad game, and it's, it's especially the last goal, right? That uh, yeah, Jari really should have had. But at the same time, how big was that Kyle Palmieri trade looming mm. in game one? Yeah, uh, I'd written at for the win of like one question for each team and like the question I'd come up with the, for the Islanders was, you know, will Kyle Palmieri's, you know, hefty, you know, when the Islanders paid such a hefty price, will it pay off? And so far it has. Um, that's kind of why you got somebody like Palmieri, right. Uh, to perform in the playoffs. He didn't really perform much. I think in the, in like, I think he had like two goals or something in 17 games um, with the Islanders after the trade deadline. So I was intrigued to see, you know, how he would do. He hadn't really performed, I guess, up to standards, um, especially because I, believe he is a free agent after the end of the year i think um and the and the, you know the islanders paid such a high price to get him and if he wasn't going to perform then you know it's kind of a sunk cost for them at this point but but he had two goals um in that win and 
was a major factor and, you know, obviously had the overtime winner for them. And yeah, I, it's looking good so far for them. And, you know, if you're the Islanders um, and you got Palmieri, this is the time you want him to perform in the playoffs when it matters most. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it was just such a big deal for them. I think also you look at who else scored for them. Uh, JG Pajot also got on the board. He was their big acquisition at the deadline last year. Yeah, that's that's pretty nice little bits of work there for Lou Lamorello. Not that he's mm-hmm. been amazing in all of his player acquisition with the Islanders, but uh, those are two big payoffs so far. And like Pajot also assisted on both Palmieri goals. Mm. So that's that's a nice little added line, essentially, that yep. uh, he was able to pull off. You know, for the for the Penguins, I think my worry for them is uh, this morning there are reports that Evgeny Malkin is working with a skills coach instead of the main group, which means that maybe he's not going to play. Mm. So yeah, I think he's a game time decision, at least yeah. from what I saw uh, so Tuesday I'm, morning. I'm assuming that if it's something that he could possibly play with, Malkin will be in. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're relying on getting through only based on the strength of uh, Sidney Crosby and your depth, it's going to be a tough go against the Islanders who are such a strong defensive team. And, you know, Crosby mm-hmm. got through in game one, but it's a, uh, it's a tough one. And I think um, at least in terms of like Penguins injuries, I think um, their backup goalie Casey DeSmith is also um, injured. I know Penguins fans are possibly talking about maybe, you know, who starts in game two. Um, do they go back to Jari or does DeSmith come in? Um, and I'm pretty sure I saw that he is injured. So it'll be Jari for game two from what I've seen. So, They kind of got to stick with what they've got, at least in terms of, you know, goaltending. Um, So we'll see if things have improved for Jari. Um, We know what he's capable of, at least in the regular season. He was like a major part of why the Penguins were able to secure that number one spot. Um, He's really, you know, he's had his up and down moments, but... And I, a lot of his down moments were at the beginning of the season, at least from what I remember, the Flyers and the Penguins played and... Um, he wasn't very good at the very beginning, but, you know, he stabilized and turned into a, a quite a good goaltender for them. That That's what he's going to need to be. Um, but we will see how he does. Um, but they're really, I don't think there's, you know, turning to, to Smith, at least in game two. They can't do that. So they kind of got to ride with him. And, you know, I'd be a little worried if I was the Penguins because, you know, Kyle Palmieri got hot. Uh, and he wasn't really so hot coming into the playoffs. Um, so if you're gonna get, if you're gonna let somebody like that get hot, it's it might not be a good time for you and missing Malkin and stuff like that. But I I was just a little surprised at least um, the early returns we got from this game um, because even though I know you had said multiple times that the Penguins numbers were coming down and they were probably going to regress a little bit, it still kind of shocked me to see uh, Jari not be at his best. Yeah, you always want to start out with your your foot in, or on the right foot, mm-hmm. heading in the right direction. And uh, Jari just looked a little bit shaky in that first game. He'll probably get it back together, but uh, it, it's it's always tough to come back from losing game one. I think it's like uh, almost a 70% chance that the team that wins game one takes the series. Mm-hmm. That still leaves lots of latitude for the Penguins, and they're not a team that rolls over easily. They have that star power that maybe, you know, the Islanders don't necessarily have, uh, even with the, I mean, I think Matt Barzal is a star player, but maybe isn't given the latitude to be a star player on the Mm -hmm. Islanders. But uh, yeah, I I think this series is far from over, but uh, I'm sticking with my pick of the Islanders. Yeah, I think that's fair. If you do, though, want to get more um, Islanders and Penguins talk, you can listen to Lockdown Penguins with Hunter Hodes, who I'm a 
I, we're mutuals on Twitter. We, you know, we've worked together before and he's a good dude. So listen to that podcast for sure. And Lockdown Islanders with Gil Martin, who also probably has a lot of really good things to say about the Islanders, especially after their really strong start. I guess another series that surprised me so far early on is that the Wild took game one over the Golden Knights, one um, nothing in overtime. It was a very exciting one nothing game, though. There were a lot of really great um Great chances. Mark Andre Fleury standing on his head. Um, it's kind of a shame that you know the that Vegas couldn't get the win um, after he put up such an incredible performance um, in net. He's vintage Mark Andre Fleury in terms of like you know his pinnacle. I know for some people that means Mark Andre Fleury, you know, missing what like missing pucks and you know causing just general chaos in the net. But he's been vintage Golden Knights uh, flurry. And I think that it's a very good thing, but I was surprised to see, you know, the wild take that, especially after the golden Knights seem to have dominated that game from the outset. Yeah. It, it's one of those situations where like, this is what the wild do is what the team they've been for the last several years is it looks like utter domination. And like, in terms of zone time, it is. And the Vegas golden Knights absolutely throttled them on the shot count on the shot attempts. But when it came to high danger scoring chances, it was even, so the Wild gave themselves enough chances while limiting the Golden Knights' great chances. And, you know, they got a great performance from Cam Talbot, and they were able to solve Flurry in overtime. The worst thing, I think, for the for the Golden Knights is that they lost Max Pacioretty. He's day-to-day. He could play, mm-hmm. but losing a player of that caliber, even with a team with lots of depth, like Max Pacioretty had possibly the best season of his career this year. So losing him right away, if he can't play... It yeah. is a big blow. Yeah, that means they'll probably have to rely, you know, more on like Flurry to make saves if the offense isn't, you know, producing as much. But the Golden Knights do still have a very good offensive core. But they, Cam Talbot also stood blow for blow um, with Flurry, um, and that kind of surprised me because I saw Cam Talbot during his time with the Flyers, um, and it wasn't pretty. Um, so I guess it's just it's really funny to see that. And I know some Flyers fans were, you know, like. Now we finally get a good Cam Talbot performance uh, when it matters. So, But I I was a little bit surprised to see that, I think. Um, but good on Talbot for, you know, making, like, getting the wild to that win because he was very instrumental in doing so. Um, I am interested to see how things progress because if the Golden Knights continue to dominate even strength, it's going to take a performance, like a Herculean performance from Talbot and the rest of the wild to survive that because I think even though that I guess we kind of maybe predicted this one to be a little bit more even in terms of like where we see it compared to like, you know, the avalanche facing the blues. I still think that Vegas is, you know, the clear talent winner here, but, um, and that kind of showed that in game one, but it was interesting that the golden Knights lost after putting up such a big performance, but I goaltending is going to be a big factor for me, but you know, hopefully Pacioretty comes back. They have a game Tuesday night. So I don't know what his status is coming into that. If, I don't think he's going to play, but it's very possible he does. But Yeah, I mean, Talbot has a little bit of Craig Anderson in him, right? Uh, <laughs> where he's inconsistent year to year, but then all of a sudden you put him in the right situation and he puts up these kinds of performances. Craig Anderson almost does it like he has an on-year and an off-year, mm-hmm. and it, it's very strange. But Talbot, it's like, you know, I remember back when he was with the Rangers, he was absolutely incredible, and then his first year and a half – maybe two years with Edmonton, also incredible. Then he bottomed out for a few years, had a really good year as a backup in Calgary last year, been solid for the Wild this year. Mm-hmm. 
he, he you don't really know what you're going to get with Cam Talbot, and that makes sense for a goaltender in their like early to mid 30s now. But that performance was pretty great. I, yeah. I think the Golden Knights are. I think we're both of the opinion that the Golden Knights are going to end up finishing out this series, but it's not going to be easy. Yeah, and I think we knew that from the outset when we previewed this. I mean. Um, even before that, when we were going back and forth, you know, waning to see what that final matchup was going to be, we knew that the the Blues were probably going to were, were going to be the easier matchup for whoever that one spot that one seed was, and the Avalanche ended up taking the number one seed, and now they're facing the Blues, and we knew the Wild weren't like as going to be as likely quick of an out as maybe the Blues could be, but it is interesting to see so far the returns from this and. I really enjoyed that first game, though. I mean, lots of, you know, highlight reel saves, you know, really great offensive performance. I'd, I'd like to see more goals, though, just because, I guess, you know, more fun hockey. But I still think game one was great. But if you want to, you know, hear more about the Wild and the Golden Knights, check out Locked on Wild with Seth Tupal and Locked on Golden Knights with Carlo Gonzalez. We'll probably have a lot of really good things to say about the series because um, it has been very fun so far. But coming up next. Not a lot to talk about in terms of, like, I guess, overall playoff stuff because it's still early, like we said. But there have been less blowouts, I think, than people have been expecting. Or at least the games have been closer. I don't know if blowouts is the right word, but the games have been closer. Um, So we'll talk about that after the break. But I guess on Thursday, before we go, um, we're going to have Rachel Dory on from the Staff and Graph podcast, former NHL analyst, uh, to talk Maple Leafs, to talk... uh, you know, good old Canadian teams and I guess preview what is probably the biggest playoff series of some Canadians fans lives and, you know, Maple Leafs fans. So we'll have her on to talk. I know she's a friend of Andrew's. I'm very excited for that. But we'll get to the blowouts and stuff after the break. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at bet online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. All right, Andrew, we teased a little bit about how we thought maybe it was a bit closer than we were expecting these first couple of, uh, these first couple of games. I was surprised to find the statistic that it took until game six against the Hurricanes against the Predators for there to be a multi-goal lead. So the first five games over the first three days, it was as close as could be. Are you kind of shocked about that? A little bit, but I think that the the two t- the two games that actually had multiple goal leads in them are the matchups that you would expect, right? Like I think we all thought that the Avalanche and the Blues was a pretty big mismatch in the favor of the Avalanche, and the Hurricanes and Predators pretty big mismatch in favor of the Hurricanes. But everyone else, like I think, what made it so incredible was not only was did no games end with a two goal lead, there was no no two goal lead at any point in any game up until then. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And this is obviously what the NHL wants, right? They, they want that parity, those tight games. Every moment counts in every game. Uh, I think the first three games of the, over, of the uh, 
playoffs went to overtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, the it was the Panthers Lightning game that um, broke the streak and didn't go to overtime. Right, and which hey, I was well prepared you know for. We, all, we also got the Flames and Canucks went to overtime on Sunday. I'm sure everybody watched that one. No, I did not watch that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, I guess we should make like a small mention to you know the Canucks. No, we and should. The... We should. That's uh, enough. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry to you, fans if you are listening. I was going to give you your due, but Andrew said no. Uh, but I. I hope that the rest of the regular season plays out okay for you, but I don't think many people are watching those games, unfortunately. <laughs> no, no, I don't think anybody cares. I don't think the players care. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I think this is exactly what the NHL wants to happen. Uh, I I think that there are a few matchups where this is going to be the norm. Uh, the Bruins and Capitals, both games have gone to overtime. That's incredible. Uh, I, I know that uh, a couple people are worried about, you know, Craig Anderson being the goaltender for, for the Capitals, but... I don't know. I don't know who that favors in that series. The games being so tight because I, I think the Bruins are a team that they kind of get rolling, and if they can score a couple in a row, they they become this like really unstoppable force. And you know, adding Taylor Hall gives them the ability to come back on teams. But I don't know. I think the Capitals, when they, you know, had their their cup winning season, they were so seasoned in overtime. A lot of mm-hmm. their biggest moments came in overtime. I wonder if the Capitals are are actually the team that has the advantage here. Yeah, that's possible. I put that in just because of the way how overtime ended so fast. Um, And, you Mm. know, Craig Anderson, I don't think, was as sharp um, in game two as he was in game one. Um, But, I mean, he only played four games for the Capitals uh, this year. Um, Didn't do too bad. He was quite solid. But uh, I guess that's just, you know, with the injury – for the Capitals and goal, I I don't know. I it's just a big question mark to me because I don't think anybody is expecting Craig Anderson of all people to be the starting goalie for the Capitals. Um, I remember when like he came into the game um, on Saturday, and people were like, "Craig Anderson is still." I even I was like, "Craig Anderson's with the Capitals." I had no I had idea. No idea. I yeah, had no idea. I I had no idea. I was like, "What?" The last time I saw him was he was on Ottawa, and like he spent a bunch of time in Ottawa, and now it's just like. Where did he come from? But apparently, according to um, people I follow on Twitter, they said that um, he was an acquisition in January after um, Lundqvist, like, they, they announced that he wasn't going to come back. Um, yeah, so now that, he was now that you mentioned it, I do remember something like that. But Yeah, but I, I, legit, I, I legitimately, I guess I just missed that news completely because I, I had no idea. But that makes sense as to when they acquired him. Um, I guess I'm just, you know, I... I wasn't expecting this for the Capitals. I mean, nobody was. You can't predict injuries and stuff like that. I guess for me, though, if it's close, um, I don't know how like how well Craig Anderson will do. But he's a veteran goalie. He has a lot of experience under his belt. And he played really well um, in the first game. And like I said, I don't think he played as well in the second game. But still, like he, he's one of those people, like we talked about with Ken Talbot. And I think you mentioned his name uh, when we were talking about that segment, that um, he's one of those goalies that can be hot and steal a game if needed. But I do find it interesting that um, it has been as close as it has been. I mean, I know the series, I guess, have been, you know, like no one was really going to run away with it. You've got, you know, the Islanders and Penguins who are two teams that can, you know, the Penguins can break it out, but the Islanders can stifle you defensively. Capitals and Bruins, both games went to overtime. Um, I mean, Wild Golden Knights was a one nothing game. It's just, it was. I guess it was just interesting to me that so far it's been very close, um, and no team has really run away with it until Monday night when you know Hurricanes had a multi goal lead, and then you know Colorado took it to the Blues four one at the end of the game. So 
Yeah. What What do you think is going to be the tightest series overall? Oh boy. Um, I want to say just based on, I guess, reputation, like the Islanders, uh, Penguins, just because I know that the Islanders' defensive style is very stifling. Um, and I'm, I I know that firsthand because last year uh, in the playoffs, the Flyers ran into that uh, stifling style. Um, that would be my guess. Um, but it could be, you know, Penguins Capitals, especially the way the, the first two games went to overtime. But my guess, my would be, you know, uh, Islanders Penguins, just from what I've seen so far. I, I think it's going to be Bruins and Capitals, but I hope that the tightest series is Lightning Panthers. I really want to yeah. see seven games of that. I know we touched on it earlier in the podcast, but I think there's a great opportunity in that series with fans in the buildings to build a rivalry that kind of has been there, but not really on the national stage for Mm -hmm. the entire time that these teams have existed. There's the possibility of creating something there, especially for the Panthers that like serving that community with high end hockey is something that they've needed for so long. The one time the Panthers ever had success in the playoffs, they played the most boring (laughs) disgusting style of hockey anyone has ever seen. Like the Panthers of 1996 made it in, in the most clutchy grabby height of the dead puck era garbage hockey. It was awful to watch. And it was a good thing that the Colorado avalanche put them out in four straight games (laughs) in the final because it kind of shut the door on that for at least to an extent. So I, I really hope that now that the Panthers are playing exciting hockey and the Lightning are such an exciting team to watch that this one goes seven and we get yeah. to see an actual intense rivalry in Florida. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the hope, too, especially because how much we talked about how good that first game was. And it really is appointment viewing, I, which is wild to think, considering people usually don't think of Florida as a hockey powerhouse, but it's shifted. Um, I mean, you know, the Lightning won the Stanley Cup last year. And have been really successful through a lot of their run. And Florida's put together a really great team. And they have a lot of really good fans. Um, we saw the atmosphere um, in that first game. And it was really incredible. And it's really awesome to watch it being, you know, something like that being built before our eyes. Because this will make hockey fans out of people. Um, and I'm really excited to see where it goes from here. And... I really hope, like, I know I, I predicted the lightning, I'm pretty sure, um, in our last podcast, and I still stick by it, but part of me really does hope that, you know, Florida and the Panthers end up on the winning side of this one, because that will, I want to see this atmosphere continue, much like um, how I really enjoyed the um, Hurricanes atmosphere in game one, where we got to see, you know, the 12,000 fans and the first playoff storm surge, and that was so cool, Um and I mean, they did win a Stanley Cup in their history, but those are markets you don't think of as traditional hockey markets. And I know that gets thrown around a lot, but those atmospheres are incredible to watch and they rival any of like the traditional hockey markets any day. I don't see like a Chicago Blackhawks or a or a Toronto Maple Leafs pulling out a storm surge or, you know, with the rats, with the with the Panthers and stuff like that. It's really cool to see those teams, you know, find unique ways to bring in fans and, you know, capture fans' attention. And I hope it continues because it really is good for the sport and it's really great to see fans get in on the action like that. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when I was a kid, I, I thought the Panthers fans threw actual, like, rats. Oh, like a, like a Detroit Red Wings octopus situation? Yeah, <laughs> and, like, let's be real, that would be super metal. 
It would. <laughs> It'd be crazy. It would put a whole new spin on like the whole 96 cup run when uh, they scored on Patrick Waugh and he just stood there. Like most goalies at that time would cower in the net so that they wouldn't get hit by the plastic rats and he just like stood there and let him hit him. I am surprised that because, you know, we have Detroit with the octopus. You have what, Nashville with the catfish. Um, I feel like Vegas did something that was semi-octopus-like, but I don't... It might just be people talking about maybe Seattle doing, um, you know, throwing, like, an octopus on the ice, but Detroit fans are like, no, don't do that. But I'm like, well, it's the Kraken. I guess it maybe fits, I guess, their team motif a bit more. It does. Than Detroit, but that's not something we have to talk about. But I guess I'm just surprised that they just went with, um, with plastic rats, but I guess probably live or dead rats are a bit more disgusting than fish. Or seafood. Yeah, that you buy at a store. Yeah. It's a little bit different. To, it is a little bit different. Yeah. Catching it just reminds me of, you know, the whole catfish on the ice when Nashville was doing their, you know, Stanley Cup run. And people would just like put it in their pants and toss it. But... Yeah. Also disgusting. Like, yes. The fact also that disgusting. Sleep, we're not, we're not well, making light of so that gross. either. Very disgusting. But still, it made for some funny moments and stuff, it I did. remember. When they throw the catfish ice. out there with like a cowboy hat on it. And... Yeah. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Pretty but gross, I... but. Uh... You know, still interesting. But still, the atmospheres have been fun, and I think the close games um, and stuff are really, really are really made by the fact that the fans in the stands are so into it. Um, and I am looking forward to you know what the rest of the playoffs will bring, um, because hopefully by next time we'll have a bit more to talk about. I feel like there was just you know only a handful of games to talk about, and you know the regular season game up in Canada hasn't been as exciting because nobody's really watching them. But uh, it has been really fun so far, and I definitely think. Hockey fans should be taking notice of, you know, I guess the more non-traditional games that we've seen so far. But that's it for the hockey talk. But after the break, we're going to do our new pop culture roulette segment that we've introduced instead of our BuzzFeed quizzes. Um, I don't know what Andrew has to bring, but I've, you know, watched a few things that I'd like to talk about. Uh, We'll get to that after the break. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. And the new improved Built Bar is even deliciouser. Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, plus the additional limited time flavor? If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. As we got coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. There's something for everyone with Built Bar. And if you haven't tried, if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Built Bar is great for any health-conscious person, as you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Most flavors have 17 grams protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams sugar, and only 4 grams net carbs. And a couple of the other flavors have 18 grams protein, just 180 calories, 5 grams sugar, and 5 grams net carbs. Nine amazing flavors, all tasty and healthy. Order today, and you can get that raspberry or mint brownie or whatever flavor you'd like. As all bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew. So go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, Andrew. We're in the last segment, we've you know decided to talk about pop culture, since we're both really big pop culture enthusiasts. I don't know what you have, um, but for me, uh, over the weekend, I finished the final season of Castlevania on Netflix. It was an animated um, adaptation of some of the Castlevania games. Um, I never played the games, but I heard that the show was really good, I think, in the first season. And then I, you know, picked it up and wanted to learn more because I heard that the animation was good and the story was fun and the characters were cool. 
And it was. It was a very, you know, satisfying end to the season. I know they're going to do more. Like, Netflix is going to do more stuff in the Castlevania universe. Uh, probably not with these characters. Um, it's not a game series I really care to play. Um, and it's usually not, like, something I'm really into. Um, but the show was a lot of fun. I definitely recommend it if you're a video game fan and an animation person, uh, like I am, because I really do enjoy watching a bunch of, you know, animated shows, anime, and stuff like that. Um, so I definitely recommend it if you're into that type of stuff. But it is, you know, dark and gory, and I guess it's got very, like, Game of Thrones, like, it's like Game of Thrones, but, you know, um, animated and stuff like that. So it doesn't shy away from that type of stuff. But it was fun. Um, I really did enjoy the characters, and a lot of the fight scenes at the end were super cool. Um, so what about you, Andrew? I mean, I also watched something animated this week. I tried out on the recommendation of a bunch of people, uh, Invincible on oh, Prime, yeah. which is based on a comic book by uh, Robert Kirkman, who also wrote uh, The Walking Dead, which is a good comic and a awful TV show. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it was pretty good. I finished it off. It's only eight episodes, so it was like a really quick watch. It's it's At certain t- points in it, it was like so like it's clearly built on a parody of like justice league slash a few different marvel things Mm -hmm. but they do it like a twist on it similar to how the the boys did it but uh maybe even more sinister i don't know maybe not maybe not it's 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 weird but uh it's good i don't think i loved it as much as a lot of people who recommended it said i would i think some of the acting in it especially uh steven yoon who uh played glenn on the walking dead his Mm -hmm. voice acting incredible in in this show but uh they also have jk simmons playing uh one of the main characters and everything jk simmons is oh yeah is worth watching Mm -hmm. uh from oz all the way to this uh i i liked it i didn't love it it was also one of those like super ultra violent yeah i heard from a friend i heard from a friend uh, that it was pretty like violent which is weird because i saw like screen caps of like just what the characters look like and i'm not i would have not thought that it would have had that um because it did look like um like just like a marvel or dc like animated show at least from what i remember seeing but um i've heard good things about it and that's interesting that you say that it has that like violence because i guess i would have not assumed that just based on looking what it looks like yeah, it kind of takes you by surprise in, like, the first couple fight scenes where you're like, mm-hmm. okay, okay, it's like a animated superhero show, and you're like, oh, oh, whoa, okay, they just ripped that guy in half, and mm-hmm. they crushed that guy's head, and it's like, okay. Yeah, because to me, I just looked no it up, like, I just looked it up again, because it looks like, not that this is bad or anything, but it looks like at first glance, like a 90s, like, DC show. Like, yes. that's kind of what, like, the vibe that they have going for in the animation, and I think that's really cool, because I really did like that type of stylized um animation and whatnot but that's just not what i would have expected but how many episodes is it uh just eight and i think right. it, you know robert kirkman being involved kind of hints to the fact that it's gonna be pretty bloody mm-hmm. but uh that's right yeah there, it's like it's neat because it's kind of like a parody of a lot of different comic people like uh there's like a parody of hellboy in there mm-hmm. superman the justice league all, all sorts of stuff i guess like the hulk in a way it's super interesting. I don't. I just don't think I loved it to the extent that a lot of other people mm-hmm. did. Like I enjoyed the boys significantly more. Okay. Because I think the boys was a lot more funny, mm-hmm. whereas this was like pretty serious the whole time. So yeah, I, I'd, I'd recommend if you like superhero stuff, especially if you like ultra violent stuff, mm-hmm. uh, go for it. Uh, if you enjoyed the boys, test it out. Mm-hmm. But uh, not the best thing I've watched this year. That's interesting. Sure. Um, and I guess the last thing for me, since you know, speaking on 
since animation, I guess, is the theme of today's pop culture roulette, uh, I appreciate that we're sticking with a theme. Uh, but I've been watching uh, the anime Jujutsu Kaisen with my sister. I had watched it in Japanese when it had come out, uh, but the English dub is now available um, on HBO Max. So that's where we've been watching it. Um, I'm like a, a, a small anime fan. I only really watch, I guess, the very basic ones, you know, like Attack on Titan, My Hero Academia, all your very, like, I guess, general basic anime. But I heard that this was really good and I'd watched it in Japanese and really enjoyed it. Uh, but I've been watching it in English. It's been a lot of fun. It's a really great show. You know, it's your very typical um, anime with like a protag- like young protagonist, has friends, fight monsters, that type of stuff. But it does, you know, lean into the goriness of it. Uh, but the fight scenes are well animated. Um, the characters are really great. I think that's why I stick with it because the characters are a lot of fun. Um, it only has one season so far, but it's been a lot of fun and I've been really enjoying, I guess, revisiting it in English, um, because I usually watch anime in Japanese just because it comes out faster. That's, you know, the original way it's been put out. So it, it comes out faster. Um, that's just kind of how I've watched a few of them. So I'm just like, at this point, I don't mind reading subtitles, uh, but it is nice to watch it in English because I catch more things. Um, and it's nice to just hear the performances because usually people are like, oh, dubbed anime isn't good there's you know it's a lot of cringe and stuff like that but i've been really enjoying it i think that it's been getting um like dubbed anime has been getting better and better over the years and i definitely recommend this um for people who it's i guess kind of like you could make it like maybe a starter anime for some people um but it's been really fun um and i've been really enjoying the performances and watching it again um knowing what happens at the end of the season and stuff like that so it's just always good to rewatch some things but I definitely recommend it for people because um, it is it definitely has like the best characters I've seen in a while. And also has a really good opening and ending. It's really good jams of songs. So you should definitely check it out if you're interested. My experience in anime is uh, Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. And the Pokemon anime, it's like <laughs> which you, I am you currently out, watching with my son. You pulled out a Dragon Ball reference uh, last week, I think. And I, I was did. like, okay, okay. It's like I can talk about anime. But I figured that your experience with it is probably like from like the 90s. Like when I was growing oh, yeah. up, because uh, I mean, growing up, I was a big Sailor Moon person. Um, still am. Uh, I named my cat after Luna, the cat in Sailor Moon. Uh, so, you know, anime, like that type of anime is just kind of baked into my blood. But uh, I really didn't get more into it um, later. I had like a, I watched a few growing up in like middle school and stuff, but um, I kind of fell out of it. But then I got more into it with like some of the more exciting ones um, and the more popular ones. But. Yeah, nice uh, animation talk, though. Uh, it's really cool to get recommendations. And if you, you know, recommend, um, was it Invisible? Invisible? Indivisible? Invincible. Invincible. Okay. It's like, all right. But I'll have to put that on my list because I've been looking for new things to watch um, and stuff like that, especially because Castlevania ended and, you know, I want to keep going with stuff like that. But I think that's all the time we have for you today. Uh, unless there's anything else you want to recommend, Andrew, before we go. <laughs> Uh, sure. I got one more. I've been watching with my wife, uh, Kim's Convenience on Netflix, which is a Canadian show, and a bunch of people had recommended to me as really good. Okay. And I wasn't sure if it was like Canadian TV good or actually good. And it's just like super charming about okay. a Korean family that owns a corner store and just like their day to day lives. It's really cute, uh, really good. I'd highly recommend. All right. And that's all we have for you today on the Crosstrek NHL show. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to follow us on your podcast platform of choice, from Apple to Odyssey to Spotify, and rate and review us while you're at it. You can follow the pod at NHL on Twitter, me at Mary C. Clark on Twitter, and Andrew at Andrew Berkshire on Twitter. We'll be back on Thursday with chat with the chat with Rachel Dory about the upcoming Maple Leafs and Canadians playoff series. See you next time. 
Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Pakowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.